0: This is the Uncensored Voice. No bullshit, just real shit.
1: Discussing things that will stir the pot. Only here on the Uncensored Voice.
0: With
2: your host, Ricky Midnight. Make sure money's not wasted like that $55 million dollar.
1: you can anybody can have a baby you can have a baby it doesn't make you a parent and it doesn't make you a good parent as i know for you know i deal with these women who are incarcerated and have 12 kids and every single one of them is in cps custody they don't care a co-worker of mine she has two that she adopted that have fetal alcohol syndrome and guess what they were her sister-in-law's babies she didn't care she drank and drank while that she was pregnant and they had no placement for these kids, so they called her and her husband out of the blue and said, either you take them or we put them in foster care because we can't even find her. Yeah. She's in and out of jail. I think when you work with these populations and you see this over and over and over, you would understand why this is a problem, you know, why this is a problem. The other part of that is the the law itself. Anybody who helps, you know, like an Uber driver, mm-hmm. like we said, you know, a Lyft driver, whatever, Um, the expansion of what is allowed for, okay, because I, I was on a liberal website earlier, just Mm -hmm. because it came up when I Googled it. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was ridiculous because they actually put on there that the woman who has the baby can be prosecuted as well. And that's not true. It's not true. You can't prosecute the person who had the baby, but other people can prosecute the people who aided and abetted her. Mm -hmm. In that process okay so that's what the law says that's what I'm saying you have to know that so I look at it and I toss out the crap and I toss out the crap because it's not a party issue it's not a red or a blue issue and when I look at blue and they're flat out lying saying Mm -hmm. that she can be prosecuted that's not true or I look over here and people are saying well there's absolutely no exception whatsoever even in rape or incest I I'm not this side or this side I'm in the side of my client what do we need to do for this woman, for this family? Because every person in every situation is unique. You know, there's not one blanket answer
2: for so, that. So morally, every, I mean, the way I look at it, morally, no child should be aborted. I mean, think about if your mommy aborted you or aborted me, where would we be, right? We would be nowhere. We'd be nothing, right? But I, I you know, in talking to you, I'm kind of starting to see a little bit um, more that it's not as, Bad or it's not as black and white or zeros and go. ones as everyone thinks. Um, according to you know, according to the Bible, yeah, the, every life is sacred. But there's also you also have to look at the life of the say the, in girl because guys can get pregnant. You have to look at the life of the young girl whose life has been interrupted and could she could possibly die? Let's say for let's just say for example, a man rapes your. Twelve-year-old daughter or eleven-year-old daughter, and some girls have their periods at eleven years old, right? Mm-hmm. Rape your eleven-year-old daughter. She can't give birth because it's going to, well, face it, blow her apart, right? It's gonna, it's gonna blow her apart. It's gonna, it's gonna break her hips. So they're gonna have to snap her hips or, or do a C-section. She may not even live through that. So y- you're now sentencing her to death because her uncle raped her, or because her neighbor raped her. You're sentencing her to death, and you're sentencing the child to death. So this, I, I can see in certain instances. But Greg Abbott said, even in the cases of rape or incest, you're not allowed to abort. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. What, what do you think, JC? I,
0: like I said, I think abortion for any reason is, is still murder, even if it saves the life of the mother. And in that sense, it's still wrong. But I think with, with all the flippant and wasteful spending that the government spends, like giving billions of dollars to the Taliban recently in Afghanistan, by Biden, uh, by Obama sending multiple millions of dollars to Iran, all their wasteful spending and not doing a whole lot to generate income besides taxes. I mean, I don't see any like massive business ventures from them, but they could have been using that to help people get aborted and, uh, I'm sorry, adopted. They could have used that money that, what well, was spending wastefully, used that to get people, children adopted. And I, I think there would have to be like an overhaul restructuring of the whole adoption system to, to where more funding is available and to save these children from being murdered in abortion. I think that's one possible step forward. I know there's some complexities in that, but I think um, spending money on adoption is a much better alternative than spending money to murder a child.
2: Well, I agree with you, but let me ask you JC, what do you, what would just I know I've already brought it up, but what would you say if it was, if it was your 12-year-old niece and she was raped by a family friend, she she was raped and it was a um am I using the right term in vitro? Or no, that's, no. that's probably not right. No. Okay. What what is it when 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 it's in the uh like in the fallopian, fallopian tube. Yeah, cuz I know um, it, it it can lodge there. Yeah, the it can, can lodge uh, there.
1: I it escapes me right now. Okay. I don't yeah, okay. but I know what so you're talking about. let's say
2: your let's say your niece has that you know oh, that she I know
1: what it is ectopic pregnancy. A topic called presidency. an ectopic. Okay, mm-hmm. so
2: you know that she's not gonna she's she's not gonna mm-hmm. be able to carry that to probably in the first trimester, and it may kill her. So would you say at that point that it was okay to abort the baby?
0: I think it's still morally wrong, but if it saves the wa- the life of the mother, um, it might be choosing a lesser evil.
2: So then it shouldn't be, even though it's morally wrong. It shouldn't be illegal at that point, right, to, to, to do that. So it might be—I may, be, may be reaching here, but it might be better to judge each and every case on its own merits. I know that would be hard, mm-hmm. but yeah.
1: Well, it's kind of like the death penalty, mm-hmm. and that's what I tell people what, what you have to understand about the law. If one person on death row is innocent— mm-hmm you can't have the death penalty because there's not an ability to be able to pick and choose who we apply it to and who we don't. Mm-hmm. Are these guys innocent? I mean look at how many times thirty something people in Illinois were freed and the gov- by the governor were who wrong. were death all trial, yeah. they were all innocent. And so we have to remember that sometimes the application of law is convoluted, mm-hmm. right? So it's a good law in theory. But then when we start putting it out there and trying to enforce it and we see how it impacts people in the community itself, then we start to realize what the flaws are in it mm-hmm. and that maybe we need to revamp it. Um, and so it's the same thing with this kind of thing. When I was in grad school, you guys ever see the movie Precious? Oh, uh, with the big, the big. Yes, with the real heavy girl in it. real heavy black it. girl, yeah. Okay, so the movie does not even cover And I mean, just not even a a pinch Mm
0: -hmm. of what
1: actually occurred in this book. Okay, Okay. so when I was in grad school, we read that book, and we had to basically do um, a psychosocial assessment for a person. What's wrong with her? You know. label this you know what what do you see here um is she having you know what kind of personality disorder does she have what does she have and it was so complex her case was so complex that they gave it to us to analyze because they knew that we were really going to have to work because there were so many things that were wrong um but if you in the book and i i'm i can not remember because i saw the movie many years before i read the book and i can't remember if they portrayed this in there but in the book okay Her father is sexually molesting her. She gives birth to the first baby at 12. He started molesting her at three years of age while mom was in the bed with him and knew that it was happening. She allowed it. And mom actually hated her because dad chose her over the mother. Mm -hmm. He wanted the child. And she ends up having the first baby, right? She calls the baby mongo, mongoloid. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then it happens again. And the first time, a social worker actually saw her in the hospital when the baby was born. And they knew, and no one reported it, that she was actually being molested. In the book, it goes even deeper, mom was sexually molesting her too. They didn't show that in the movie. Wow, okay. okay, And she, because of it, she had a false sense of self, right? So mm-hmm. our personality develops as we experience things in our lives. For this young girl, she had a false sense of self, right? She had uh, issues with trust she was mouthy and ugly and mean to people at school, to people in the groups. It was because that's what she learned was she would we either we either do to other people what was done to us or we elicit that response from people. Mm-hmm. So for her, you know, um, doing that, causing that, you know, that was eliciting a response from you that was negative. And that's one of the things that, you know, we we have to understand that some Issues are far more complex than we're equipped to deal with on a blanket level, right? And it's not available to us to deal with these individually. That's where the issue comes in. And with this particular law, a lot of women, okay, because I looked at the Alamo uh, Women's Center, right? The one that's on medical that you see all the protesters out in Mm -hmm. front of. I don't know if y'all have been down there, but they're always carrying signs and stuff. Um, they're actually referring women to a sister site in Oklahoma mm-hmm. to, to get this get done. they their abortions. Okay. Yep. And they are actually helping pay the transportation because they don't want women to resort to a back alley abortion. One of the hanger. first ones was 18, like 18 something. And she was trying to use a coat hanger to do mm-hmm. that. The stigma was very high then. So if you were raped back then, you were just, because women were property, you yeah. were broken. You were no good. You were worth nothing to your family. You know, I- rape is not a choice, and it's not even a, po- it's not even a, s- a sexual thing. Mm-hmm. It's a power thing, yeah. o- the power over them. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I feel like we have to take it in terms of what does this do? Because, because we're not breaking it down. We're looking at that blanket issue. Do we want women to have to go behind closed doors in the back alley and do something that they feel like they have no other choice? They feel like they have no options. They are abused at home. Some, you know, they—we don't know what they're going through, and that's the reality. You know, I—I see this in my clients. Um, I used to work specifically with the males that were incarcerated. Now I work with the females, and. I see, you know, the differences. Women come to jail in a different way. Women, you know, have a recidivism rate that's different than men. Everything is different about it because they are the ones who are stuck as the parent. And I know that sounds terrible because it's, you know, kids, babies are, sh- you know, should be seen as a gift, but they aren't. Yeah. And that's the thing. You know, um, people who can't have babies don't have babies. And people who can have 20 of them That are 16 years old seem to be the ones breeding Mm -hmm. and like i said you know i've watched so many of these ladies they don't give a shit they don't care about you know like the lady with the fetal alcohol syndrome they don't care and that's that's the thing you know it's like you're bringing kids into a, a world that they didn't choose and and they're in this wretched horrible life.
2: Yeah, they're born are born addicted to yes. whatever they were on whether it be alcohol or some other drug. They're mm-hmm. born addicted. Yep. Yeah. And
1: alcohol is probably the worst one of them because that, you know, if you would see the, the just the level of IDD that comes from alcohol, mm-hmm. heroin, opiates, certain things like that, the addiction can be can be gone, right? And it doesn't leave all the time lasting effects like alcohol syndrome does. And and I know that sounds strange, but I'm telling you of all the drugs that are difficult to break Alcohol is the one that will kill you, okay? Mm-hmm. We give people um, Ativan. We have to sedate them because their bodies go into such deep withdrawal without alcohol. And I don't think that people understand that. You might think that cocaine or crack or, you know, uh, heroin are worse than any of those. But it's actually not as bad as an alcohol break. Trust me, it's just not. I see it every day. And, you know, a lot of these kids, we deal directly with CPS because... Nine times out of 10, the women in the jail, I don't know if there's any that I've encountered that that don't have five or six, eight, nine, you know, like I said, the other day, I had one with 12 kids Mm -hmm. and she doesn't have a single one of them. And the family even told her, we can't help you. We've already taken two or three of them. We can't help you anymore. And so I, I just, when I see that, my perspective is different. Um, I, I, I have to do what's right and advocate for my client, mm-hmm. whatever that, whatever that may be, you know, if they have, you know, if it, whatever they choose, because we have autonomy, right? Your client has the ability to pick what they want. And at me as a social worker, I cannot pick a side. I cannot, let's say, I don't know. I don't like people that have, you know, uh, artificial limbs. Mm-hmm. As a social worker, I don't have the liberty of saying, well, you know what, Rick, you have an artificial arm. I I don't want to. I can't service you. Or, you know what, Um, you know, hey, Rachel Dolezal, right? She's a white female who identifies as black. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, if she was your client and you hated what she did because she lied and she did all these things, I can't tell her no. Because as social workers, we still have to assist and, and advocate for whoever that client is in front of us. So I I just, I think it's a bigger issue. And I I think that expanding this law the way he did Mm -hmm. to include, you can have multiple lawsuits, one entity. So in other words, if JC assisted me by driving me somewhere, let's say he's my my Uber Uber driver, driver, then you and 20 other people can sue JC. And only one of you can win. But you can tie JC up as a service provider for all those cases, all those cases. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what that law says. It's the same thing, you know, with it. and it's designed to force clinics, doctors to not do it. Mm-hmm. That's actually what it is. And it's, and it's asking the, the citizens to do what the government of Texas hasn't been able to do. Because that's the reason why the Supreme Court, you know, when they had the in, the um, trying to do the injunction to stop this law from going through and the Supreme Court justices did a review and they said, we can't do anything about it. So to Mayor, she said, it's very clever of you, Texas, getting your constituents to do the work for you, the work that your own state can't do. And that's why, because it's expanding what can happen so that the government doesn't have—I mean—they're giving you the right, Rick, to enforce the law because they can't.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: they—they can't go against against the federal the federal mandate. So they're giving you the right to sue JC for giving me an Uber lift, and 50 other people to sue him. I, it's just an expansion of of this law. That's it's ridiculous. It's well,
2: you know what what you had mentioned, uh, what she had mentioned to me the other day, JC, is we were talking about this, right? And she was telling me about that woman who has 12 children. She doesn't have any of those children. And, you know, I got to kind of kind of thinking, how could the, well, the, the law or the government, how could we stop her from having so many children that she doesn't even bother raising because she's a deadbeat mom? That's what it is. She's a deadbeat mom, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so how can we stop her? Can we force her to have her tubes tied? Well, the state should never—not just Texas—I mean the state, meaning the United States—should never get involved in doing something like that. This isn't China. We should never get involved with making people take a damn shot because this isn't China, right? So, no, we're we're not going to do it. That's out. That's off the table. Morally, it's wrong for her to abort these children. Yes, I understand, but she is not going to take care of them. She's spitting them out like a like a chicken lays eggs. She's just spitting them out, spitting them out. And if she continues to spit them out, what's going to happen is those children are going to get caught in the foster system. They're going to get raped because, unfortunately, a lot of the kids go into the foster system either get beat, treated like dog shit, or they get raped and all the above. (coughs) So it's just going to be a continuous cycle. And then they're going to have children. And then they're going to have children. And then they're going to have children. And they're all going to be treated like crap. I have a cousin who's the biggest piece of dog shit that you could imagine. She had a whole bunch of children who turned out – yeah – Five children. She had five children, and she's a pile of crap. She did the same damn thing. Can the law go- step in and say you must get her, you know, um, tubes tied? Well, the state can't say that, right? Just like they, they're not supposed to be saying it's unconstitutional for us to m- make us take a shot or make our employers fire us. So I'm kind of looking at all the things. I'm like, God, you know, w- yes, it's morally wrong, and we can't enforce our morals upon people. It's unfortunate. But to make a law that says they absolutely cannot have an abortion means that they're either not going to have an abortion, just like this woman chose not to have an abortion, even when it was legal, mm-hmm. or they're going to go to the back alley, get the rusty clothes hanger, and clean themselves out, probably die in the case. So is it better for them to just go ahead and have themselves killed by having that abortion, that rusty clothes hanger? Uh, I don't think so. I think the government should probably regulate the abortions kind of how i'm leaning right now it's kind of like marijuana i mean you can you can you know these uh, these people who sell you marijuana can put a whole bunch of other stuff in it you know lace it with with pcp or whatever it is and these kids go crazy i know i had to arrest a couple of them who were mm-hmm. outrageously crazy um
1: with superhuman strength
2: superhuman strength it, it, it took all of my strength to you know to calm them down with my handcuffs and my <laughs> <laughs> and my thread of hog tying them but um so yeah um i i don't know i mean I know it's morally wrong and, and I've always I've always thought that, but I'm kinda you know, I'm kinda looking at it the other way, you know, maybe the law should not be telling people they can't have an abortion. So but you know, um, that's just that's just kinda the way I'm looking at it now, J C. So what do you think?
0: My stance is the same. Um, I, I just I just think it's a terrible thing to murder children like that and people do it flippantly, like it doesn't even matter. It's almost like I agree. They're psychopaths. Some of them actually express joy at murdering their own children. Like, uh, I think it was, who was it? One of the celebrities, the women. But, yeah, they're, they're like, thinking like psychopaths, like murdering your child is like a normal thing. Alyssa
2: Milano. Uh, Alyssa Milano is a good example of what you're talking about, JC. She has sex with a whole bunch of men. She's a real pretty little girl. Um, she was ugly as hell as a baby, uh, <laughs> but she's a pretty woman. And she's just, you know, uh, she's like the town bicycle. Everyone gets a ride. And, um, she's had a whole bunch of children as a result and, or she's gotten pregnant a whole bunch of times as a result. And she's, she's, you know, saying, Hey, I'm just going to go get an abortion. She's using abortion as her birth control. So I understand exactly what you're saying, but if it wasn't the case and what she would have to do is she'd have to go to the back alley and she'd have to get the rusty clothes hanger or, (laughs) you know, get, get Pablo with the long, (laughs) long, you know, a gaff that you, you, you pull your sharks in onto the boat with and clean her out. And, um, that right there, for Alyssa, Alyssa Milano, go for it. Go get that rusty clothes hanger. I don't give a shit what happens to you. But for your 12-year-old niece who got pregnant, is that a good idea? You know, or should the person who actually performs that abortion on your 12-year-old niece, because she's gonna want to get it, right? She's she's want to get it. If it's a it's a matter of incest, and this baby's gonna come out, you know, uh, uh, basically a slug as a result, she's gonna want to get it. So should the government regulate the people who are gonna give her an abortion, or should she go with that rusty clothes hanger? That's kind of how I'm looking at it. I'm going, you know, eh, the government should probably regulate it.
1: Well, and you have to think, too, that um, if you're 12 years old and, okay, if she was a willing participant, let's say not in the case of incest or rape. Okay. um, But let's just say that she's actively, you know, having sex, Mm -hmm. uh, which happens with 12- or 13-year-old kids these days. I mean, they're much younger than they were back then. But, um, and let's say that she's, you know, she actually has this, you know, has sex, gets pregnant. Um, you know, the it's terrible for a young body. I will say that. Mm-hmm. It's a terrible process. It actually, you know, and, and, and my daughter, of course, I have firsthand experience with it, uh, which is why I'm a little more sensitive to the topic. Um, but my daughter, um, she had very, because she was, she was only 17, and it, she got high blood pressure. And, you know, high blood pressure with women who are pregnant, causes a condition called preeclampsia where okay. the the uh, placenta actually separates from the, the uterine wall and basically it can it can cause fetal bradycardia which makes the baby's heartbeat go down it can kill the baby and the baby is no longer has the mother to breathe because the baby breathes through the umbilical cord mm-hmm. right and so her blood pressure and you know and we were blessed because one of my friends uh, was a military doctor and he was actually the one who, Who took care of her. It took a lot. It took a lot. She was still under my husband's ID card. because he was still active duty. And, uh, I had to orchestrate everything. It was so much stress on me. I thought I was going to have a nervous breakdown. I'm not going to kid you. And I, and we're a good family and, and we, you know, we're military 21 years in the military. And now my husband's 15 years in on public service. We're not a family that doesn't take care of our kids and know where our kids are. Um, she hid it from us. It was way beyond where she could have an abortion anyway, even if she Mm -hmm. wanted one. She was eight months pregnant and never showed, never gained a pound. Mm -hmm. And when we finally found out, you know, it's the 11th hour, okay, and I actually had to go there and I had to speak with the command staff at the base to make sure that the separation for her was done appropriately because it's already hard enough to be able to give your child up for adoption. But it's it's harder if things aren't done to facilitate a smooth transition. Basically, they needed to have a room next door to her for the family who is adopting this baby. I was standing at her feet with my friend, the doctor, watching her push this baby out. And and it was difficult for me. It was the hardest thing I ever had to do. and. You know, she had had high blood pressure. They put her in the hospital a week, two weeks before the baby was due. She was an athletic person, a swimmer. She was a, comp- a competition swimmer. So she was in perfect condition, tiny little girl, no, no history of anything, no diabetes, no nothing. And she was a vegan, so she ate very healthy and, mm-hmm. and well. And um, they had to, because her blood pressure was so high, they actually had to stick a balloon up into her cervix to open the cervix so that she could have the baby because they needed to get that baby out. And because she was 17 years old, the doctor didn't want to give her a cesarean section with a scar that she would have to look at for the rest of her life Mm -hmm. for a baby that she didn't have. Mm -hmm. He was a great man. And I thank God every day that he was there to to do this because I don't know what I would do. I mean, I am even getting teared up thinking about it, but They stuck that balloon up there, opened the cervix, and it actually damaged her cervix because her body was too immature to have a baby. And they told her, you will be lucky to ever have another child again. She knew she couldn't raise that baby. I have four kids of my own, all of which were living at home at that time. And then one went off to the Army during the time of this pregnancy. I still had three. And I have a special needs son who... um, you know, he, he will never live on his own. He, you know, he, he's IDD. And so um, when this happened, you know, and remember, this is a young person having, bir- giving birth. Not only did it affect her body and her ability to have another child, but the baby was born with an issue. And he actually needed surgery. The people who adopted him, the, the, the mother, um, her father was a pediatrician. And they actually had to do, you know, surgery on the baby to make sure that he was okay. And thankfully, God blessed us and they were willing to love him no matter what. And, um, and so, uh, you know, you have to consider that there is a greater picture of the, of, the, of the damage that birth at such a young age can do to these girls. And, you know, it's in my family. It, that's the reason why I feel like I feel because... I lived it. I went through it. Um, if, if any abortion is murder and you, we just can't kill any, you know, we can't have abortions, then what is the solution for the women who have 12 babies? What do we do with them? You know, um, I don't think she would have had an abortion anyway because a lot of the ladies that I see use children to get Medicaid benefits or SNAP benefits. It just is what it is. I see it every day. Um, I wish that I could feel sorry for some of them, but I don't because they use those kids to continue receiving benefits. And it's it's so common. When I when I worked for SAPD, you know how many people would come in for Blue Santa and they'd have eight or 10 children? And it was just, it's so common. People don't realize that, you know, it's kind of like, you don't know if you're not exposed to that stuff. And that's yeah. the problem is we're very closed off. We don't want to hear about those kinds of horrible things, you know, I work in a place where every single person has syphilis and gonorrhea. I didn't realize that there was a resurgence of syphilis in San Antonio. Why would I? I don't have it, and I don't go to Metro Health for things like that. And
2: I don't sleep around. Yeah, (laughs)
1: exactly. So, but when I go there, and every single patient I have has, I have one that had chlamydia, syphilis, and gonorrhea. Then I had another one that has chlamydia and gonorrhea. And then another one that, (laughs) and I just thought, oh my God, does everybody in this building you know, that's a patient have this stuff. And so I just, you know, I, I respect what you're saying. And I know what your belief is, JC, that, you know, any any child is precious. And I, I, I agree with that. Um, But I just, I implore you to, to think about some of these things that we talked about that a lot of people don't know, you know, um, think, think about how that impacts these girls, these young girls that, you know, maybe they were raped and they didn't participate in it. And it happens a lot. I, many of the women who are incarcerated report sexual, physical or emotional abuse. You know, I had one today that I didn't intake on and she told me she'd been sexually abused since she was six years old. And it's just so difficult because it's, it's a question. It's so common that it's a question on our intake. So I had 10 women who came to jail over this past couple of days. And I had to go see every one of them today. That's why I say my job is super stressful. Um, and out of all of those <laughs> women, only one wasn't sexually abused as a kid. Only one. And that's what I'm saying. Like I just have a different perspective because I see, I see the cruel things that human beings do to each other mm-hmm. on a daily basis. Yeah. It's like when you're an officer
2: yeah and I was just a I was a campus officer but i I saw a lot of cruel things and just being a campus officer people would treat each other really really badly and that's nowhere near what I know you and your husband see on a on a daily basis yeah. um, and again, I was just a campus officer my job was to go check the doors make sure the doors were locked that's all <laughs> you know and still uh, important still occasionally important. <laughs> I'd get a call to an apartment where the man would be beating the crap out of his, uh, I went to one, actually, um, a real pretty girl had her lip hanging down, you know, she's going to be scarred, her lip was hanging down, her nose was bleeding really bad, both eyes were blacked out, and I'm like, oh God, her boyfriend beat the living crap out of her, so I'm talking to her, and it was her brother, brother beat the living crap out of her, simply because, you know, I don't know, the top ramen was overcooked, or something stupid like that, and um, so, yeah, I I see stuff all the time, and um, I, I saw a man beating his wife in front of their infant kid why well, I say infant he was I think he was like maybe a year and a half something like that beating the crap out of her in front of him and um yeah so I mean I, I see some horrible things which is nothing compared to what I know you see yeah so. I
1: mean it, it is what it is right I mean I chose to work in a in a career field where I've been in service for most of my life mm-hmm. um and my husband as well you know in service to the country and and now in service to the police department for 15 years so he's never he's never (laughs) since he was 18 he's 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 been working he did 21 in the military and now 15 with the department he's never had a break there's never been a time in all that time that he hasn't had a job or that he's been serving but i think that um you know we just have a different perspective and it you know that's that's what it's about perspective um if we can you know we can agree to disagree it's not It's not even a thing. I respect everybody's opinion. I think everybody has something to bring to the table. But I I just implore people to to think about these things, to do your homework, do some research on what this community, you know, how many how many, you know, teen pregnancies we have and you know, and, and maybe that's the solution. Maybe the solution is and I know we've we've done this in schools before, but maybe the solution is preemptive rather than reactive, right? So we're gonna be proactive instead of well reactive. have been passing
2: out condoms for a while now.
1: Right. But I'm, I mean, in terms of, like, maybe uh, maybe groups, maybe something a little more, um, something, you know, that we work on. There's got to be a, a, a solution. It's kind of like what JC was saying, that, you know, um, we have to revamp the foster care system. 100 million percent. Mm-hmm. The foster care system sucks. And, um, you know, and so that's that's another issue. But it's uh, like Hillary Clinton said, you know, uh, it takes a village. Mm-hmm. It really does take a village. Yeah. Um, but we all have to be able to work around, you know, what we have to work around and be realistic. Yeah. I feel like this law is not even realistic. Mm. If Greg Abbott got in the trenches with me in you know, some jail or prison, you wouldn't have that perspective. You wouldn't have done it like oh, that.
2: Like I used to say, um, when, when I was an officer again, I, I didn't see much of what you guys saw. When I was an officer, the, the feeling you get when you're an officer, it doesn't matter what you what you're doing. Feeling you get is you're underappreciated by everybody. And then when you do your job and you walk out the hero because you know you did your job and you feel good about it, then the then the woman in this case, usually the woman because the man's beating her up and you and you go in there, real quick real quick story I went in. The man's beating the crap out of his girlfriend. I try to pull him off. guy's bigger than me, doesn't want to come off. So I had to use my body weight, pull him off. I pull him off, throw him, and he slides across the table, hits his head on the counter. And my boss says, why did you beat him up? And then, of course, she's like, you hurt my my boyfriend. I'm not going to press charges on him. You know, I just saved your teeth from, from being shoved down your throat or into your tonsils by risking my life. Going in there to beat up a guy, well, beat up a guy, to pull a guy who's bigger than me off of you, and where's my thanks? Yeah. You know? So, but let me, before before you say uh, anything on this, let me just read this real quick, okay? What the Texas law prohibits, it bans abortion as soon as cardiac activity is detectable, right? So, they say that's, a that's being six around weeks. six weeks, right? Okay. So uh, other states have tried to do this, but those laws have been challenged by abortion rights groups and blocked by federal courts again and again. So I think the people who are blocking this are, you know, kind of like I kind of am, and or more more than I really was, um, where I'm like, absolutely no, it's murder. It's 100% murder. And even if it, even if you it you legalize abortion, I still think it's murder. However. In some cases it's probably justifiable and that's kind of how i'm looking at it now it's mm-hmm. it's kind of a justifiable thing so um do you have anything to say on that, that now that we've kind of talked about this for about 45 minutes or jc
0: uh i'm i'm just really soaking in and taking in everything everyone's saying and i think it's yeah. very interesting it's fascinating i think it has uh Changed the way, I think, to, to hear both of you speak, and I'm, I'm highly appreciative for your views. I think it was a very good conversation. Now, I still think and it's it was, murder.
2: Don't, don't get me wrong. I still think it's murder. Sometimes I think it's justifiable, though.
0: Right. Yeah, I mean, it, like I said, it gets morally complex, yeah. ethically complex. Um, but, I mean, I just would really like for the ad- adoption system to be upgraded in, I think, to save the mother's life, and to abort the child that that might be the only thing permissible even though even though I still think even that's murder but it makes no sense to let both of them die when mm-hmm. you could save the mother yeah. right and uh, I, th- I think it's a terrible thing for you know children to get raped and everything it's it's a very terrible thing but um, I just wish there was like a, a better solution that didn't involve murdering a child in that case
2: well I can't I can't think of right now. I can't really think of a better solution um you know other than uh, i don't know let's say uh 200 years from now we can they can walk through a scanner and we can sterilize them like that boom you know i mean sterilize these women who've had 12 or 13 or 14 kids spitting them out and they're out there on the streets you know as crack babies and they die in dumpsters and stuff like that i can't think of a, of a better solution um if in a, in a perfect world, I say no women kill no babies, but then no men rape no women, you know, in a perfect world, no Black Lives Matter burn and, and riot and, and, you know, loot uh, in a perfect world. But unfortunately, we're not in a perfect world. Um, if we all followed God's law, and I wish we did, then none of this, we wouldn't have to have this discussion, um, but not everybody follows God's law. So... Man has to step in and make laws to make people follow them, if not punish them, you know, by putting them in prison or, or fines or what have you. And this, I'm thinking maybe this is, you know, the, the way we need to go. Maybe we need to, uh, you know, I, at first I thought, you know, the abortion law is good. Great, 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 Greg. But, you know, maybe it's not as good as I thought it was. Maybe it shouldn't, you know, he shouldn't be telling people you can't do this because they're, they're going to do it either back alley or go to another state, yeah. you know.
1: And sadly, too, um, you know, the lady with the 12 kids, mm-hmm. um, she's so mentally unstable. It's why we have contact with her. She's actually psychotic, and mm-hmm. she's housed in a protected unit where there's nothing that she can hurt herself with um, because she just, you know, she, she she's so out of it. She's paranoid. She's delusional. Um, so she not only has... The issues with addiction, but she also is mentally ill, which we find, you know, uh, the mm-hmm. comorbidity there where people typically self-medicate when they don't want to take, you know, their their medication for schizophrenia or something. Mm-hmm. They mistakenly feel better. They think, oh, okay, I'm better. I don't need the meds. And that's how they come to see us, because usually the people we handle have a mental health uh, diagnosis or or there's something in their past. They identify themselves at the time of, of booking. Um, So anybody who's actively suicidal, you know, I, I'm going to have my hands on and, uh, and then of course anybody that has a history of mental illness. So I, um, you know, that's, that's kind of why I talked to you about wanting to discuss sort of how mental, mental illness for this community, you know, the lack of access, there's a lot of cultural factors here too, because San Antonio is largely Hispanic Mm -hmm. and we as Hispanics don't tend to reach out or acknowledge when we don't acknowledge, Right. That there's mental illness, um, and and then two, we we don't reach out, and it's either um, something that has to do with language barriers or the understanding of what mental illness is, um, or there are providers that can't that aren't culturally competent that can't reach across cultures to get people to do that. That's what my uh, my school focused on. Uh, it's one of the reasons why I chose UTSA to do my master's in social work, and it was because the lake. While it's a great school, they focus specifically on Mexican-American families and children. But UTSA has a focus on cultural competency, which means that I should be able to pick up and be culturally competent with any client that I have. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, uh, that's, you know, that that's a discussion maybe for another uh, podcast about, you know, the prevalence of mental illness here um the the fact that we're military city USA and we have all of these veterans that have you know the the typical things that we usually see with veterans right PTSD and substance abuse and domestic violence right and,
2: and i think like you said that the stigma in the hispanic community there's a stigma you know you're hispanic you can't you can't have mental illness cuz well it's there buddy <laughs> let me tell you we've got we have got lots <laughs> of them in our family uh we know them very well oh uh, yeah uh, so uh, as I we're, not, we're laughing about it, but it's it's true we we have people like that in our family as well so but um yeah, so I think we've had a pretty good discussion on this i I don't wanna I don't want to bore the audience too much but um yeah we um we've gone over several things give you know give our audience things to think about j c there's things to think about as well um the reason why I'm saying that is because i when i like I said before I talked to my cousin, I was like nope 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 it's it's wrong, it's wrong and wrong and then i I listened to her. That's what the uncensored voice is about—not just about being right wing or left wing. Uh, telling the truth and listening. It's uncensored. We're gonna listen to what you have to say, and that's what we've been doing. And um, so I, I listened to her. I listened to what she had to say, and uh, you know, she's kind of, she's kind of changed my mind. Um, I I don't think that it's not, you know, murder. I mean, I still think it's murder to kill babies, but sometimes it's justified to save the mother. Or, you know, sometimes it's it's justified in, in whatever the case may be, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe if the, the, the child's going to be born, they're going to be like, have you ever heard that song, One, by Metallica? remember off of, I think it was their Black album, where he went to Vietnam and he stepped on a landmine, blew off his legs, blew off his arms, made him deaf, made him blind. He was pretty much just a slug living on on, um, on a ventilator and, and um, um, a feeding tube. And if your child's gonna be born like that, are you gonna make them suffer for the next 40, 50 years, however long they're gonna live, I- eating from a feeding tube, or you know? Yeah. I mean, so so I mean, yeah, it's probably still not it. You know, I say it's still not good to, to take their life, but maybe sometimes it's necessary. It's a nece- it's an absolute necess a necessity. So, but something to think about. So it is something to think about, guys. So everybody out there who's listening to uh, us three talk about this, that's something to think about, and. Um, you can call 210-233-9968 or you can send me an email at rickymidnight@usa.com and i'm hopefully we gave you something to kind of think about i i know jc you're you're a little bit more um religious than i am and and i really like that about you guy i really do um because you you know you're you're kind of you're kind of helping me uh, i'm going through some stuff myself and and you're kind of helping me about it but um this is kind of how i see it now so
0: Okay. Well, I appreciate that, brother Ricky. Um, so yeah, you just feel free to reach out anytime if you want to talk about anything, you know, I'm here for you as a friend and as a brother, and I, I really like, um, helping people, you know, and cause I, I'm, I'm called to do that, but it was, it was great to meet, meet you, Teresa. You too. Uh, I had a great podcast on, on here today and it's, it's been, it's been transformative. I, I feel like I grew a little bit. Um, uh, but, um, I really highly appreciate it
2: thank you well, thanks a lot no um, and do you have any closing words for us or Teresa
1: no I just um you know it's my hope that by discussing these things um, and humanizing it mm-hmm. you know you said that you really felt a certain way before you actually humanized it mm-hmm. because you you know if, if we can relate it to somebody you don't realize how close these issues really are to us yeah. and you don't know it and I and so it's just my hope that like what JC said, that it's transformative, that that it maybe makes you think about a viewpoint that you'd never had before. Um, and you know, or, or the experience that you've not had before. So I appreciate that.
2: Well, I appreciate it. Appreciate you both coming on. This is Ricky Midnight, Proudly Unpoisoned. God bless America and God bless Texas.
0: Thanks for listening to The Uncensored Voice.
1: Make sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. And remember, on The Uncensored Voice, we tell it like it is.
0: So be safe, my friends, and may
1: God bless America.